Welcome to the Sibley Nature Center podcast. Here at Sibley, we celebrate the history and nature of the Llano Estacado. Through a broad range of educational programs and personal experiences given on-site, at schools, in meeting rooms, and at private gatherings, we encourage community members to be knowledgeable about the flora, fauna, and history of our region. My name is Phil Salonik, and I'm the Education Director here at Sibley. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Chris Alice, who operates Blue Ridge Solutions based here in the Permian Basin, which is a water solutions company. Chris, can you tell us more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Phil, for having me. Uh, honored to, to be here to talk a little bit about what I find uh, to be a real important topic for uh, for our community and kind of the, the world and ecology at large. And uh, so, yeah, myself and, and Blue Ridge, we are a, a oil field, pr- primarily oil field industrial water solutions company, uh, which is a pretty large bend to say that we. Uh, we manage uh, water supply streams for the upstream oil and gas development, uh, as well as the the waste streams that are uh, are produced as a as a byproduct of that operation. And uh, what we'll kind of focus on today is the the intermediary of of this operation, where um, we've really been working hard to uh, find a place to to make more whole that water cycle and repurpose that waste and reuse and preserve our our precious aquifer resources here. So when you talk about what y'all do, is that around fracking then? Yeah, yep. Uh, the primary primary method of, of oil and gas development out here in, in West Texas that's sort of evolved over the last 10 years uh, to become the, the, the primary extraction method for, for hydrocarbons, oil and gas, uh, is horizontal drilling uh, paired with uh, hydraulic fracking um, what you know most people just know as is as fracking and uh, there's a that that process requires um, the on the on the front side the, the development requires the use of of a, a water fluid to uh, pump and pressurize that fracture process to carry sand um, to load that fracture network and then the then the secondary uh, component to that to the, the the that life cycle is on the production side once we bring that well online start to pump and produce the oil is the uh, water that uh, returns with it and uh, for for a little bit of con- comparison of of those fluids you know it, it varies varying from from you know region to region here in the Permian Basin, but you could see in anywhere on in an oil well, you can see per one barrel of oil produced anywhere between three to, in some cases, seven barrels of water returned um, per per barrel extracted. That water on the turn is water that was trapped in that formation. Initially. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. It's it's uh, some of that is native water. Some of it's the water that we. Uh, we pumped down in the in the the hydraulic fracturing process, um, but it uh, it it lives and continues on with the life cycle that that well is um, is and will be active, being from you know the next ten to thirty perhaps fifty years. Wow! So what conventionally do uh, oil operators do with that wastewater? Conventionally, in the the tra- traditional uh, method and mechanism. That was deemed to be, you know, a, a, a safe and 
uh, economic uh, solution was to inject into a, 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 an injection well um, that that under it's the it's the sort of the same it's the inverse of an oil well it's drilled down into a a trapped and confined uh, reservoir that uh, from the surface we take that fluid and with some high pressure pumps pump down to a place where it won't return to our our surface environment and cause contamination and other other issues with that water and you know that the water uh, to to describe it we uh, we, we traditionally had pumped fresh water down in the hydraulic fracture process that water that's that's returned is is largely contaminated uh, from its its long history of being at deep pressure or deep depth and high pressure and temperature and uh, mineralization and other you know other chemical um, processes that have added things into solution that we really just that, that are damaging uh, to our to our atmospheric environment and 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 uh, you know and a big part of that is is salts chlorides that are uh, you know confined um, in that in that formation that shale formation from when it was deposited as a as an ancient seaway so that that layer where we get the hydrocarbons is usually way deep underneath our water table and you're going to be pumping that wastewater even further down beneath there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, we, we we call it shale. It's a the shale rock that is the the source hydrocarbon from you know the the conventional oil development. This was the source that fed it, and now we are tapping into that source. And so there are you know it, it being a geologic formation um, that in time it was deposited. There's been other geologic periods that have uh, established uh, other types of aggregate and rock sediment and other types of um, compositions that that are conducive for receiving wastewater that really holds them uh, to visualize like a sponge and it is a it's a place that um, for in a you know relatively um, relatively low expense we can prevent that water from exposure back to our surface almost like it was made for that well we've made we're making use of it for that <laughs> I, i'm not sure if uh, it's in t- it intended to be become a sponge but it, here here we are is there any negative effect to injecting that water down into the yeah layers? like I, I suppose <laughs> like like all things there's uh there's kind of reactions to 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 all of the actions we take and uh, well, you know the the principle uh, and the, the the action of disposing of water into these um, sequestered formations was with good intent to preserve our surface here. We've we've started to learn some of the issues that that result from that, and you know that have happened over time, as well as our our more modern development practices are just fr- frankly producing much more. Uh, what we call produced water, this this wastewater that we're having to manage and deal with, and uh, a lot of folks in Midland here may be uh, maybe f- familiar with it. Uh, here, here, just over the last year, we've started to um, feel seismicity earthquakes in a sizable magnitude or a magnitude uh, to, that is evident on on our in our homes, in our in our, our workplaces, and 
and uh, it's it's alarming. Um, it's uh, something that you know, obviously it's been questioned as to what is the the primary triggers and causal factors, and it's it's been pretty well correlated to some some deep injection targets that are. Uh, in r- related to some faulting structures that that shift and cause that that seismicity, and uh, so that's as you said one of the one of the un- unintended negatives to to this process that we've we've used for quite a while, and uh, the the other is um, it is we we here as as us in the Permian Basin know there's we're, we're all pretty familiar with oil well locations you know pretty much every road you go down even in some neighborhoods we we have some old oil wells it's part of our our landscape here for sure um, well as as these wells age and are in in some cases abandoned um, and kind of left to you know left behind uh, the there's certain certain signs that injection has uh, pressuring some of these formations is connecting some to some of these conduits these these uh, drill casings that have been left down hole and, uh, and and when not managed in the right way can introduce the opportunity for for migration of that waste fluid back to the surface and you know perhaps other formations so that's that's definitely of high concern I mean, there's there's a lot of rules and protocols around securing those in and and managing them appropriately to prevent that, but you know that's not always not, not always uh, the case. Um, and so something that's definitely uh, should is and should continue to be watched and be a concern. I could imagine it would cost a lot to remediate some of those old wells that were pressurized from other injection sites and yeah, I I, I suspect that's one of the issues. That occurs, right? And it's it's kind of easy to look and see and say someone didn't do what they should have done there. But the reality is, in in many, probably many industries, but especially in the oil and gas, there's there have been periods of times of devastating economic events that cripple and or bankrupt companies, leaving them incapable of. You know, keeping the lights on in the office, little less, you know, making it back to, to appropriately abandon some of this infrastructure. And this is a this is a large area out here. It's covering hundreds of thousands of square miles, and and in often remote places. And you know, these these things that you know didn't initially cause significant issue over time, uh, you know, made made a grade. And as industry may rotate and move back into an area we discover maybe a a looming problem that's been been sitting quiet for for a while so that's uh all of those things uh, those things related to um injection uh is is why there's a big there's a big push uh, to to come up with different forms of different types of technologies to help address that and as as with all things you you know big you know big trees grow from small seeds and uh we've we've started off um in in a in a, something that we're, we're we're very proud of but also uh, it's still kind of the beginnings in in my opinion is the evolution to uh, to wastewater recycle and um, the to describe the process a little bit for you when we 
when these wells are initially drilled, as we said, um, the, the fracking process historically and traditionally consumed uh, fresh water. That was what was available. It could be stored safely and easily in, in above ground impoundments and, and then used to, to com- frack that well. And, and uh, which, to, you know, is, is to me a, a very kind of sensitive issue, right? It's, you know, what is the best purpose and use of water? Clearly, we are all users and consumers of energy, um, albeit we, you know, we're a world that's kind of gaining some traction on transitioning that. But the reality is so much of our, our daily lives you know, depend on this energy that we extract. And as a part of that process, uh, it takes takes resources. So, you know, water... Uh, it fills our bathtubs. It, you know, uh, cleans our uh, cleans our teeth. We wash our dishes with it. Water our lawns and you know grow food. Agriculture. It's also you know, it happens to be a, a thing that is 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 a critical element to this hydrocarbon extraction, and uh, that that to me has been a, a long time kind of a, a, a tear at the involvement in or my, my involvement in oil and gas uh, extraction was this this high volume use of of groundwater and you know as, as soon as that that fresh groundwater that is uh, pumped from water wells stored and then using the fracture process it commingles with that native water and just overall contaminated environment um, deep below the surface and as it returns once the production cycle returns once we start to extract that oil and water that water that's then separated is forever uh, dirty if you will and um, it's you know there's well well there's you know quite a few different components that come up with it um, it's it's very salted and that's that's one of the challenging things to to manage but in in an effort to minimize the use of fresh water as well as minimize the use of fresh water and um, combat some of these these issues that we uh, see and are realizing from the injection process is to treat and reuse that water and there's been a lot of companies working on it uh, for for some time and we happen to to be involved with uh, a great partnership um, and a group of people that have we, we've all put a lot of efforts into figuring out how to do this at scale how to make a meaningful difference it um, as, as all things it starts off small and um, and we it's been about a little over two and a half years now we permitted a a unique type of facility and built i think to that point the largest commercial operation and through a a period of time of working with uh, oil and gas operators um and and you know to the point of where we call each other partners we're, we're all playing a playing a critical role to help develop this we have we've really kind of broken the mold and established a, a process that in in a way fixes the immediate waste of this of this water so that's uh, that evolution looks uh, in description looks like the fresh water is used initially for these operations and the produced water that uh, is that is realized out of that that production process uh, is recaptured 
and it is diverted from going to injection and goes through a process of us cleaning it, separating out some of the solids, solid wastes in there, getting as much of the particulates out that is you know, economically feasible, and then storing and scheduling and planning with a lot of coordination with area operators and infrastructure to then redistribute that for the next frack. And that um, that then one for one displaces that that reused barrel displaces a barrel of fresh water from having to be used and kept that barrel for the time being from having to enter into an injection well. And uh, to to put into a little bit of uh, r relative comparison. Our facility uh, that we, our, our large facility that was the, um, that was the the start to all of this, um, and, and is the most developed uh, to this point. For a relative perspective on the scale that we've been able to achieve at this um, this particular location, uh, is around 175,000 barrels a day that we've been actively. Uh, processing for the last um, several months, and that equates to a, a little over seven million gallons a day, which represents over uh, over two hundred million gallons uh, a month. And that's all you know is water that is now that barrel for barrel not pulled out of the ground at our aquifers and not then put into an injection well that um, is is lost for for a very long time. Chris, when you um, take that wastewater and send it to your, your system, do you recover every drop of water you put in? Yeah, that's I, – I don't know the specific loss there, but it's very minimal. It's minimal enough to where it's, it's not tracked. You know, there's some water that's evaporated, and but every bit of that fluid is either processed and cycled back into treatment if it kind of – if it – comes out of, of the process in some way. So what you're taking out of it are solids then? Yeah, primarily solids, and which, which is a composition of multiple things. Uh, and there's a, there's a, there's that, that is specifically the treatment process. There's a lot of suspended solids within the solution and the chemical and then diffused air um, fl flotation um, process is used to separate those solids, either sink them or float them, separate that fluid, separate them from the fluid stream, and then we take that cleaner water to then store for reuse. Um, when you have that clean water for reuse for an oil operator, is there any other use for that water? Yeah, as of now, the the spec that we're cleaning this to, uh, which if you were to look at it in a jar of glass, it looks clean. It um, you know, while there's lots of different chemistries that we uh, we receive and chemical compositions of water, uh, largely we treat it to a what would appear to be very clean, drinkable water. But one of the main things that that our process isn't able to to uh, resolve is the salts. So there's um, there's a load of, of chlorides in there um, that are you know excessive and higher than you know the, the salt load of ocean water. And while there are some 
technologies that are capable of removing salts, like an RO process. There's a there's some limitations to that technology at this point that is somewhat prohibitive economically and for the scale of process. And then I guess what would you do with all that salt? Yeah, the salt, I guess, uh, make a deal with Morton's or, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know about the, the salt side of that, but that, uh, really takes us to that. That's ultimately the goal. Um, I I think we've, we've really achieved this great next step that has, you know, I think bought us some time. It's preventing the use of groundwater. It's keeping water from going down hole right now, but it is still dependent currently that the spec that we're cleaning this to is still dependent on an upstream oil and gas operation that is using high volumes of frack water. And uh, sure. that th- it is natural for that to subside over time. These reservoirs that we're producing are confined and well, the Permian Basin seems to be a place that keeps on keeps on giving as far as oil reserves go. Uh, there, there, there is very much a, a timeline on that, and there's a lot of people working very hard. There's a uh, a group and a consortium in uh, at Texas Tech that are working on beneficial reuse, and I'm sure there are some um, in other places uh, that I'm I'm not familiar with, but. Uh, that is, that's, I think, really the opportunity that, that um, we should be striving for. And it is, you know, these, these wells will produce um, out for many years from now, and they will, uh, for, for their life, continue to bring and produce these native wastewaters to our surface. And out here in, in the Permian Basin, this is a place where water is fairly scarce on the surface, and so when I when I mentioned opportunity, it is this is you know the oil and gas is a resource that that you know benefits our our um, humanity at some expense as as we probably all believe, uh, but um, this water uh, has so far had no provided no opportunity just to waste. And if we can continue to to work to study to research different methods and technologies to take this water the next step. From we we are right now getting it industrial use, reuse clean, but that next step would be getting it to what what us as an industry is calling beneficial reuse, to where the water is clean enough to use in agriculture, to use perhaps municipally and um, and or to discharge back into lakes, you know, rivers, streams. Chris, have you always been in water services? Well, I uh, I have always been uh, been fond of the water. You know, from a kid of in a stream or a lake, I grew up uh, with the gratefully with parents who uh, who who took us outdoors. And um, from a small age, we were playing playing in the lake or the river. Um, and it's it's always been pr- prolifically. Imp- Important to me, and it probably in you know involved states. You know now it's what I've, I, th- I think about and work on every day, and uh, different um, methods, and it's it's different interactions with with life. Um, but as far as oil, uh, as far as oil and gas in a in a career, 
I, I initially started out on the on the side of the operator working to extract the oil and gas, and it was always a, it was always a part of it uh, that we worked the logistics of you know of acquiring that uh, water resource for operations, and then also disposing of the waste. And it always was a little bit at conflict with with my my nature and uh, my soul um, that this this fresh water that we depend on for for many other things would you know exit the water cycle and to me that was it was and it still is it's the driving factor to 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 evolve these technologies and these processes and these this logistics to serve this oil and gas nature um, I'm, I'm I like to think of myself as being you know of practical nature i realize that that our world is is very dependent on this resource that we're extracting but i think there's a lot better we can do we can evolve our energy technologies and evolve our our water use technology and programs as well so is there an economic benefit for an operator to work with y'all to recycle water yeah and that's that's really where we came to realize as the most critical element to this thing and this and this thing being water reuse and water recycle to scale well i I think if you ask any person they would agree that in a a person in in industry and oil and gas industry uh, that the preservation of fresh water is important and you know we we would want to do it i think everyone wants to do that but the nature of business is really uh, focused on economic performance and when there is uh, when there are cost uh, disadvantages things that are more expensive and you know associated risks with trying out this this wastewater use as we mentioned earlier uh, that that uh, impedes on scale and growth, and so uh, the the whole model that we've developed had a focus on aggregating higher volume to increase scale to earn efficiency through that scaled volume, and with that we we were able to break the economic cycle of the traditional water consumption and wastewater disposal to the tune of you know of uh, it costing us now and an operator now uh, 25 to 35 percent of what they had uh, originally interacted with and uh, when you can pair that innate human desire to to be a conservationist and you pair it with uh, the economics that support that it makes it a really easy decision for most people. Yeah, I'm sure those outfits PR persons are jumping at the uh, natural resource stewardship yeah, we, uh, buzz. We don't, we don't mind making their job easy in that respect <laughs> at all. And and frankly, that's it's been it, it's we like to say it is that we we started this this uh, site and this model that uh, others after after seeing its scale, its growth and development have. Um, have started to copy and and it's it's flattering and we're proud of that and sure. and I think we're you know that's that is what well, well, in, in some realms you could see that is 
external business competition. We see it as a, a, a human and, you know, our, our earth benefit. And, sure. and we hope to see, we hope to continue to see more of it. Yeah. I mean, we have these aquifers, these layers underground that hold water that we're pumping out water faster than it's naturally being recharged. And we really don't have any hope of them being naturally recharged and our lifetime or our kids' lifetimes or many, many, many years away. So it's uh, very important that we steward that water we have. And by recycling dirty water, I mean, I think you're making a huge impact, Chris. Yeah, it's it's always scared me a little bit. Uh, groundwater is a little bit mystic. You can't see it. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's even the process out here in West Texas of finding it has been called witching, kind of <laughs> the the mystic art of finding water, of you know beneath beneath the surface, and and you know there's this common knowingness that there's becoming less water available, that the levels are dropping, but there there is this hope that it always replenishes and. I, that that's a it is it's a scary proposition to realize that there's no water right at the point where there is no water and that's a hard place to come back from for you know a life and a culture and humans and other species that depend on these water resources so i think anything we can do to help that is should be priority one. We may not need to remind y'all that water is a basic need for all life on this planet but <laughs> um Chris, do you have any other uh, thoughts on water reuse and recycling in your industry? Or? Well, to any of those in, in my industry that uh, that are uh, able to pick up this podcast and and listen to us, just hope if the the realm that you're in, um, if you if you play a role in it, and or you you work with others that do, maybe just ask some questions and. Um, there's there's a lot that's that's uh, growing in this realm, and I think any of us that can uh, encourage it um, within our companies and or just promote it with our families um, that there's you know it's and, and it, this this goes beyond and, and I think this is important to say that the oil and gas industry is one place that consumes water and water resources, but in the general theme of that you know at our individual homes there's there's very simple things that we can all do to to conserve and um, protect this this you know precious this element that that is is fundamental to to our life and um, if that's if that's in your in your job or in your home I I, I encourage it with all my heart and and hope that um, we can only continue to do better. That's great, Chris. I often tell kids in the classroom, be sure to turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth and. You don't have to floss all your teeth, just the ones you want to keep. So. <laughs> uh, Chris, it's been great having you, man. Thank you for coming out. You led a brown bag lecture today at Sibley Nature Center, and it was well attended and a bunch of very awesome and critical, important information that you went over. So thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Phil, and thanks, Sibley, for all that y'all do. And we want to give a shout-out to the Recording Library of West Texas for allowing us to record the podcast here in studio. Thank you all very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sibley Nature Center podcast. We had a great time recording this and covering this very, very critical, important topic. Uh, please tune in next time where we will continue to cover the flora, fauna, and history of the Llano Estacado. Until next time, head outside to wander 
and wonder. <laughs>